Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and any snowflakes that happen to be listening. Welcome to the Eye of the Storm podcast, where we teach you how to take control of the storm that rages inside and around you. I'm your host, Daniel Storm. Let's get started, shall we? What's up, Storm Chasers? I'm your host, Daniel, and today I have with me the one and the only Jamila Burney. So, Jamila, why don't you go ahead and tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do for the people who don't know you. Awesome. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, My name is Jamila, and I am an author and creative entrepreneur. Um, That's the best way to to describe me. I have lots of different passions, um, but I am extremely, I really am interested in marketing and consumer behavior um, and psychology. Um, I started my first business when I was 17 years old, um, just kind of out of desperation. So I come to business uh, with a little bit different of a viewpoint than a lot of my peers. Um, a lot of everything that I learned was self-taught. I had to create from literally having no money at all, um, purely using a cell phone and social media. Uh, so that kind of began my, my business journey. And since then, I have quite enjoyed podcasting, mentorship, speaking, um, marketing. You know, I've worked for, I had a marketing agency, and now I am the chief creative at Local Crown, which I absolutely love. But I got to step into my role, which is the creative aspect and bringing kind of that out of the box thinking to the table. Nice. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, every business needs a needs a chief creative officer because, I mean, some of the some of my favorite brands or stuff are the ones that aren't like cookie cutter. They're the ones that are different. The ones that are like in their job descriptions, they're funny and like they're they, they joke and and stuff like that. Or like, I I love. Uh, watching Ryan Reynolds uh, advertisements on his YouTube channel and stuff. Cause he's just, I find him hilarious. So yeah. So. And yeah, that's something that I really have always enjoyed doing. You know, my first, my very first business was a children's cloth diaper company. And um, like I said, I had no money. I was 17 years old at this point. I had been using drugs. I was actually addicted to heroin. Oh, wow. Um, and when I, uh, and uh, when I was 17, I found out that I was pregnant with my now eight year old daughter, almost nine year old daughter. And when I found out I was pregnant, I was actually living in a tent with her father. So like I, when a I, tent? wow. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, we were on a property where there was lots of other drug users. There's a lot of people living on that, on that property. It was not a good situation, Daniel. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was really, really was when I tell you that it was like a do or die kind of thing for me starting my business it really really was because I had a choice either I was going to continue down the path that I was going down um, or I was going to choose to have my daughter to raise her and and if that was going to be the path that I was going to choose I had to change my life and I had to figure my crap out and had to figure it out real quick (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so I turned I obviously chose the second route and I ended up leaving there, going to the state, getting assistance, getting public assistance, like getting all of the help that I could get. Um, 
and getting myself sober while I was pregnant. And while I was pregnant, I was able to uh, form my first business, which is Snuggly Butts Cloth Diapers. Snuggly um, Butts. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was handmade uh, cloth diapers that I like. Uh, so when I was getting sober, I had to completely immerse myself in a distraction. And for me, I chose just like learning about parenting because I was going to be a mom. I already felt like my child was going to have, you know, kind of a setback having a mm -hmm. teen single mother. Um, so I just dove into all these moms groups and was going to all of these different, you know, meetings and all of these different things. And as I was at these meetings and I was going through these things and through um, I also went back to finish my high school diploma through a special school um, that had like a special program for young teen mothers. Um, and, and I met people through there as well. And I, as I was just going through life, doing these things, I was trying to think what I could sell to the people at these places. And what I ended up coming up with was, was cloth diapers. And it um, ended up being able to completely sustain me and my daughter for the first two years of her life. And um, it gave me what I wanted, which was to be able to stay home with her uh, through at least the first year. Cause like everything that I was reading and all of the books, you know, is like talking about how important that first year is for bonding and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to provide that for her. I don't know how I'm going to, but I want to. And um, yeah. And, and I was completely able to do that on Facebook at this point, utilizing Facebook groups, completely guerrilla marketing tactics. I grew that business. I was selling all over the U.S., Canada um, and Australia. And actually, I had one customer in New Zealand, which made me super excited as well. Um, and like all of that was just through Facebook groups organically, no money spent on marketing. And that is what opened my eyes to the outside, the outside world, I guess, that the internet opened up um, for us, the, the ability to connect with people all over the world instantly. And I've just been fascinated with the digital space ever since. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah, words. Wow. <laughs> Good job, Daniel. You, you do a podcast and you don't know how to speak. Good job. Okay. Anyway. Um, so I know that you uh, recently published a book with one of your mentors. Well, I say recently, it wasn't like six months ago now or something. Um, um but yeah, yeah do, you, do you mind telling the listeners about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was a couple months ago. Um, it, the becoming the big me, the great conquest is the name of that book. And, I am so proud of, and just that piece of work was just, uh, I don't even know how to, how to put that whole experience into words um, because I was able to partner on a book with my mentor, Sharon Lecter. And, and you may not have heard of Sharon Lecter's name uh, specifically, but you have definitely been impacted by her work in in the world um Sharon Lecter was one of the founders of the talking books like you know those like children's books that like had the little strips on the side that you press button and they made noise um oh and she partnered wow Disney and Warner Brothers and all of these people and so she had such an impact on on uh literacy in the world and mm -hmm. uh and children especially getting children interested in reading which is something that 
I am also very passionate and interested in because I really struggled with reading up until about third grade. I actually faked reading because I was able to mimic. So I had a really good memory. So if someone read it out loud, I would remember it and I could like mimic it back. But I didn't actually know how to read. Um, And until like third grade, when I finally broke down and you know, ended up getting seeking help and getting a tutor and, and whatnot. But so that's something that I've also been passionate about. Um, and, and then when I was first starting my, my first business, my mom gave me all of these training tapes from the rich dad, poor dad university. Um, and Sharon Lecter is the co-founder of, of Rich Dad, Poor Dad for over a decade. Um, and she's the co-author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad and involved in that whole university. And so she was impacting me again then, and I didn't, I didn't even know it. Um, and she also is the ambassador to the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And um, in 2020, my, my grandmother passed away. And I was very, very close to my grandmother. My grandmother and I always talked about publishing books like that was always kind of like our thing she always wanted to publish books I always wanted to publish books and like we would always talk about it together she always encouraged me um um with all of that and and after she passed away I had this like massive realization that if we don't do the thing you know, some, there comes a point when we don't have the opportunity to do the thing anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I got the book outwitting the devil, um, after my grandmother passed away. And that book was annotated by Sharon Lecter outwitting the devil was written by Napoleon Hill. Um, but it was locked away for decades. Um, and it was, Re, it was released to the public through the Napoleon Hill Foundation and, and, and annotated by Sharon Lecter. And as I was reading the book, the whole time, I'm just like resonating with everything that she like every every time I see like her annotations, I'm like, yes. And I just like feel it in my heart. And fast forward, I after I ended up writing that book, I ended up pu- or reading that book, I ended up publishing one of the kids books that I had written uh, for my daughter originally. And I kind of learned the self-publishing process through that. I was got that book onto an Amazon bestseller kind of on accident. I wasn't even, I didn't even really know what I was doing and I didn't put together any kind of campaign or really do anything. I was like, oh my gosh, this is accessible. This is accessible to anyone. Mm-hmm. And kind of on a, on a different track to um, uh, to this story, at the same time, um, I decide that I want to interview Sharon Lecter on my podcast. And, and at this point, the podcast actually didn't even exist yet, but I was going to start a podcast and I wanted to interview her on, on the podcast. And I ended up getting in contact with her team and was able to schedule her to interview on the podcast. And that was super awesome. And then um, from there, I had 
been having this book that was on my heart for a while and I just didn't know how I wanted it to come out and and I don't know I just started I I, I figured out I felt like everything like it just started clicking I figured out how I wanted to put together the book and I did it as um it's a contemplation of of empowering stories of people who have faced really 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 crazy obstacles that I just you can't even imagine um mm -hmm. what what some of the people have gone through um you know losing losing loved ones and PTSD and and what you know what Nick Wingo had to go through as a firefighter just like so many incredible stories and how they were able to in the face of all of that darkness how they're able to turn around and decide you know hey you know actually I'm going to choose to go this way now um, I'm going to choose to to create something even more and um, I started working on I started working on the book and, and I started doing interviews with with the different people for for the chapters. Um, and I wanted it to have like a very cohesive theme as well. So not just like a random collection of stories, but actually have a message and, and share something. And as I was collecting everything, I was like, you know, it would be it would be amazing to get Sharon involved in this project because I feel so much resonance with her story that she shared with me on the podcast with with losing her son and how that impacted her and how she decided to play big again and how after you know she was wanting to thinking about going into retirement and then how losing her son everything that she went to and then coming back out of that darkness and just saying, you know what? No, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. And, and so I reached out to her and it resonated and, um, and yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of the story of that book, becoming the big me, the great conquest. Um, just such a amazing collaboration. Uh, that, that is amazing. Out beautifully. <laughs> yeah. So something I've seen you uh, talk about a lot through your lives and, and well, I say through your lives, that might sound weird, uh, through your lives on Facebook, uh, <laughs> not through her multiple lives. I have not <laughs> known her nearly long enough to know if she's had multiple lives or not. I mean, I don't know. She could be a cat for all I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've seen you talk about it a lot and just... I also know that you, you like to uh, rant about it, but why don't you talk about your experience self-publishing and, and how that's gone? Yeah. So Daniel, I, I had such a breakthrough moment when I realized how accessible uh, publishing really is to, to the everyday person. Like if you have if you have a book, if you have a message, if you have something on your heart that you want to share, you actually have the ability to, to publish it. And it doesn't cost a crazy amount of money. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't, and it's not as complicated and as hard as, as it seems to be. And the reason why this does get me fired up is because the reason why we have this misunderstanding about the industry is because of how monetized it has become and how um, many people who are like in the know are, are keeping, are, keep, are, are, are gatekeeping and keeping the mm -hmm. information 
from people and like keeping it behind these massive paywalls. And Mm -hmm. so something that I have experienced that has really started to tick me off um, since I've started to do this myself and learn about it myself and, and really not have to really spend much money and also be able to collaborate with some amazing people, you know, and still do it myself um, and perform well. Um, and uh, personally, I think if you're going to spend money on your book, um, I think that you should spend it towards marketing, because if you have to spend money on your book, you're probably not as well known as you would like, and you probably need to get your message out there more. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are all of these, uh, boutique publishers out there that I have had a lot of friends personally fall victim to where they are charging 10 grand and up for what for a publishing service where they are doing the very bare minimum now what i have learned um since starting publishing is that you can publish a book completely for free completely for free you can publish a book on amazon kdp um and you can design your cover on either Amazon's internal cover designer for free or on Canva or like some program like that. And, and you can upload it yourself. You can use Amazon's ISBN number, which they do provide you for free. And you can publish it like that if you want to. Now, that's how I did my very first one, my very first kids books. And that's how I do a lot of my journals and stuff like that as well. Um, but what I didn't know at this point was that if I just invested about $200 in an ISBN number for my book, it would actually help me with some of the things that were in my personal goals, which was having them in bookstores, just because I like to do local stuff. And so I want to have them Mm -hmm. in local bookstores and, something that I didn't know. And it's just because it's just one of those nuances that unless you're in the industry, you're not going to know, but it's very simple. And that's just like Amazon killed bookstores. Bookstores don't really like Amazon. The Amazon ISVN number registers differently and the bookstores can't, can't order directly from Amazon. Um, Mm -hmm. So you want to uh, use, if you would like to be in a bookstore, you want to use a different program where the, uh, a different publishing program where the bookstores can order from. Um, I suggest Ingram Sparks and it's only $50 to publish your manuscript. Um, so in total, it costs you like $250 to get your ISBN and publish your manuscript and have it accessible to be ordered uh, by other people besides just you as the publisher. Um, but if you don't have that, like you can still do it completely for free on Amazon KDP. Now it's really important to know that these options are available for you and also know how to identify, um, pub these independent publishers or these boutique publishers, how they are publishing their books. Because what I have noticed is there are not all, not all, but way more than makes me feel comfortable. And, and especially with the amount of information that's out there about publishing, everyone is so naive to it that they just don't know the difference. Um, there's way too many of these boutique publishers out there that are charging $10,000 plus 
and purely publishing their books on Amazon KDP's free publishing software You're with kidding me. Amazon's free ISBN number. <laughs> that is oh that's such a scam oh my gosh yeah. oh it, like that's something to look they're out making for. pure profit <laughs> literally like i mean i get like you know maybe they're doing they might be doing editing or you know some of them some of them are just doing public like there's 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 different levels to scam so some of them are actually doing some stuff some of them are literally just scamming. even then i can pay a friend <laughs> of mine maybe two thousand dollars to oh, yeah. uh, edit a like 400 page book. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. Not that... 10,000. And then, like <laughs> you said, pay $250 and be able to get it in Barnes and Noble and other bookstores and stuff like. That's the thing that I just wish people would know, because I don't I can't tell you how many people I have talked to who have um, since I have like done my self since I've started myself publishing journey the Mm -hmm. amount of messages i've gotten from people who have been like i already have my book written but i haven't published it because like i don't have the money and and it just this light bulb went off in my brain like oh my gosh nobody knows nobody knows maybe you should start (laughs) your own publishing company i mean i don't really um i don't know (laughs) um i'm more into like I love helping authors and I think the mm-hmm. best way that I can help authors is by helping educate them on the actual publishing process and then helping them get the word out for their books. Um, mm-hmm. That's really how I feel the best. Also, like I do some ghostwriting, just very, very, very uh, case specific um, and, mm-hmm. you know, desire specific. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I have, I have definitely like thought about that and pondered that, but I really feel like the best way is to really just educate on the publishing process because it really is, um, yeah, it, it, like, I, I understand, like, is your time more valuable than, than your money? Um, those are things that you do have to weigh, but at the same point, the process is, is you don't need to spend $10,000 just for that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like you, for me, find the, find the professional editor who is, that is their specialty. That is what they do. That's all they focus on. They don't care about the design. They don't have to, they don't think about the marketing. Like they don't think they think about the editing, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and then find your, your specific people for the pieces that you feel you need help with. Um, but as far as actually uploading and all of that, I liked it. Like I, I want authors to have the power. I want them to have control. I want them to have all copyright. I want them to get the royalties. I want them to, you know, have the power of where they want to publish, how they want to publish, how they want to distribute. Like, I really feel like we are moving into a new age in publishing where traditional publishing, big five publishing is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that important. It's not as important anymore to be published by a traditional publisher and boutique publishers are just taking advantage of authors. So from the (laughs) sound, I mean, it's, it's just like the music industry, honestly, like you see all these uh, people making it independent and they're bigger than a lot of like mainstream people. Mm -hmm. 
and that and they're is just what... doing it all themselves they're buying yeah. like thousands of cds signing thousands of cds and then shipping them and like spending a month working on an album or like a couple months working on an album and publishing like three albums or whatever and just it's insane but and i mean the, if you if they can do it in has the, done exactly if they can do it in the uh in the music industry then you can definitely do it in the uh, pub in the publishing industry mm-hmm. like you see or i see anyways uh, on tiktok the authors blowing up you know um especially really? especially uh, fiction authors who just are like doing scenes they're just kind of replaying scenes on their tiktok from their book as their content and they're getting massive exposure for their books you know by doing that's awesome you know something that i did was actually i used giphy the book got millions of eyeballs from people on on very just all over the place because i created a bunch of gifs of for the for the book um so that we could really have a whole campaign all of the authors had their own gifts with their faces on it and wow. you know the book once we hit the bestseller status like there was gifts with the book i mean there still are you can look them up if you look up becoming the big me on like your giphy you know stickers mm-hmm. on or anything like that um and and like we even did like I think I even I'm pretty sure if you look on Facebook stickers if you look look up best-selling author some of the authors in the books faces will pop up from gifts that that we made and it allowed everyone who is buying the book to share it on any anywhere that they have a giphy keyboard um, on their stories on tiktok on snapchat on whatsapp it allowed people to share it with ease so something that i've learned in the digital age is we have to make things as easy as possible for people people are lazy and people are getting lazier and lazier as the days go on so how Mm -hmm. can we make it easy for them and doing that is something that was super easy. People already like to share. They already like to do, you know, that kind of stuff. If you give them something easy to share and maybe incentivize it, um, you know, you can really, really spread, you can really, really spread the word. And not only that, but you're getting those subconscious impressions for the long term. Something that I realized a couple months back um, I don't know if you have heard of the software uh, Jarvis or uh, Jar. It's like Jarvis, the like AI. Yeah, the only software I know of that it's called Jarvis is an Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's um, there's this AI, there's this AI like copywriting service, and mm-hmm. there's this robot. Um, <laughs> there's this <laughs> the AI is called Jarvis, and um, I had the owner of this company. I, I ended up buying their software after I bought the software. I realized that I had been seeing the owner of that company for years. I saw him everywhere. He was in, um, all the stock photos on like 
all of the stock sites and all of the free stock sites. He was like in all of those pictures, like in the businessy ones that someone who would potentially use the software that he was developing would use. Right. And that software only came, I don't even know when it came out, but it came out within the past two years. Um, Mm -hmm. And he had been, you know, sharing all of these different all, all across all of these stock photos, I realized I had been using, I even had blog posts that had him in it and I didn't even know. Wow. And what that made me realize as I watched him, when I watched him launch his company and I watched how fast it grew and I watched the culture of the people that he had in there, I just like observed like a fly on the wall what was going on is that he had been subconsciously indoctrinating all of us for years and we didn't even know it because he was his face was in all of these places that we trusted and so then when he came out with his product with his face with his ad we already trusted him and we didn't know why because it was subconscious it was just patterns um and that is something that i feel like giphy has the power has the power to do right now um and that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm super into into Giphy and why I use and why I used it as part of the marketing plan for that book. That's awesome. Well, that actually also provides me a perfect segue into one of my other questions, <laughs> which is um, so I've heard you talk like obviously we've uh, been just been talking about Giphy for a little while, and I've seen you also talk about it as a marketing tool. And last I checked. You had 115 million, and yes, people that are listening, I said million views on there and are st- like still getting more every day. Oh, can, yeah. Can yeah. you maybe talk a little more about that? Like why you started using it and some tips in case people want to listen or people that are listening want to use it for themselves? Yeah, of course. Um, So I actually like... I, I used to use gifts back when I was like more in my kind of corporate marketing um, space. <laughs> I, and I was like hardcore sales, sales all the time, pushing sales. I used to use gifts a lot to like re uh, real live dead conversations just because they're um, non-confrontational and you can kind of. Yeah. I've done that before, like send a, send a ghost (laughs) gift. If if you haven't talked to someone in a while or something. Yeah. So like it, it works. And so like, I used to do that. And then, um, I saw someone on my Facebook feed, there talking about how they were making their own gifts. And, and I was like, Oh gosh, I can make my own gifts reacting to people's comments that I would like react to. And then I can personalize my reactions um, in these conversations and oh my gosh how cool would that be and so I started uh, just like playing around I started playing around with it and the first the first app that I found to do it was actually on tenor and I like made a couple mm-hmm. on there and they were kind of crappy but like they still show up hey really I mean everyone high. starts somewhere right <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and and then I figured out Giphy the like the Giphy platform and the Giphy keyboard and I realized if I use this then they would be I had more control over them I could link them to you know my website I could do all of these things and I could track them and blah 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 
And the thing was, is you have, you do have to apply for it, for a Giphy account. You can apply for either a Giphy artist account or a Giphy brand account. Um, it's not, it's not hard as long as you have a website, um, and you have an email address that like is matches your website domain. If you have those things, you should have no problem with the application. It's just like a couple questions, um, for a brand, for a brand account. Anyways, I'm not sure on the artist account cause I have a brand account. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to get in, you do want to just kind of make a couple gifts. And for me, I just made a couple very basic ones where I was just like saying hi or hello or something because that's easy. <laughs> um, and and um, yeah, like the way that I like to use the way that I like to use Giphy is to repurpose content um, and to just kind of either infiltrate a new niche um, or create personalized responses that I would like to, that I would like to reply to someone. So like one way, one way that I would say like infiltrate a niche is by using those kind of long tail uh, keywords as a response. So if you are like, for example, for me, I have a lot of spiritual gifts where I'm talking about, you know, I, where I'm doing like affirmations or different things like mm-hmm. that, because there's not very many people on the platform. If you niche down with your, with your gifts, you can very, very easily take over that niche's kind of search bar or recommendation bar. Like, so when you're going to reply to something, um, your gift pops up in the mm-hmm. first, in the first kind of realm. Um, and so that's one, that's one of my strategies is like thinking about the niches that I, I want my face to kind of just keep popping up in. Um, and then I make gifts around that. And then <clears throat> I also do just some very generic ones, just kind of for, just for views sake, just for, um, you know, cause I know like, just like, hello, or like happy birthday, or some of those are going to be used a lot. Um, and I, the, they show up in search. So as they're being seen more, they're actually showing up on my Google search on my SEO and impacting my, my search results as well. So there's like, there's a lot of different aspects. There's like a lot of different aspects to Giphy that we don't always think about. It's not just like these funny little short you know, replies, you can actually make them customizable. You can do campaigns with them, such as, you know, I did with the book where you have, you know, if you're launching a new product, you can do a campaign where you do a bunch of gifts, um, you know, either sharing about the product or showing the product or, you know, ordering the product or just arrived with the product kind of thing Mm -hmm. and, and, and orchestrate orchestrate that for an organic eyeballs and just brand impression for that new product. Um, and yeah, that's, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) No, that's, that's amazing. Like that, that's impressive. Plus, I mean, like I said, you, last time I heard you had 115 million views. Yeah. I want to get to a million by the end of the year. I'm at, 
121 i think right now like it goes it's at this point it has started to to compound mm -hmm. uh, and now i now i don't know exactly the the precise metrics on how the gifts do affect seo but i do mm -hmm. know that it has greatly affected my seo and my knowledge panel um since i started doing giphy i ended uh i have I mean, I, I have a knowledge panel mostly, I feel like, because of my books. But since mm -hmm. I started doing Giphy, there was a second knowledge panel that popped up for me with all of my gifts, and it ended up merging with the original knowledge That's panel. Awesome. So I do know that it is definitely affecting my Google search results and my SEO because I do put my, my website link um, attached to all of my all of my gifts. That's amazing. Wow. All right. Well, I understand that you're a very busy person and uh, we've been running a bit long. Well, I mean, not, not a bit long. I mean, I just did one earlier today and it was almost an hour long, but <laughs> uh, so we're just going to do a few like more business oriented questions. I mean, not that this whole thing hasn't been business oriented. Um but just kind of like rapid fire questions. If, if you want to expound on your answers more, that's fine. If it's a short answer, that's also fine. But uh, so the first question is, what are the three key things you've done in your marketing throughout your career that has created the most potent results? And I'm going to actually add an addendum and say other than Giphy, because uh, I know that Giphy has been <laughs> extremely potent for you. Yeah, I would have to say experimentation, definitely, um, because that's how I even discovered that Giphy was something that I wanted to pursue. Mm -hmm. um, consistency, uh, when you do decide that you want to pursue a new, you know, kind of marketing ve venture avenue, you have to understand you're not going to get results right away. You need to actually consistently do the thing after you start consistently doing the thing it will compound. Um, and then the last one is kind of a buzzword these days, but I mean, it's so true. That's why it's become a buzzword. It's just authenticity. Um, if you're not authentic in, in your marketing efforts, you're going to attract people that you don't actually like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, is it honestly things. actually a buzzword if it's true? Yeah. I don't, I mean, yeah, but I feel like, you know, sometimes it's just used like, ah, authentic. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, 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 to I totally get what you're saying. I'm just like, but on the other hand, is it actually <laughs> technically a buzzword if it's true? Like, but yeah, so it. the next question is, what are the things that you focus on in your business to ensure that everything flows efficiently and nothing slips through the cracks? Um, so the, I, I mean, Honestly, like the biggest thing that I focus on in my business to make sure all of that is, is my, is by focusing on myself, if that makes any sense. Like, how do you um, mean? If, 
if I am not, if I'm not taking care of myself, my, I, I am the machine, right? Mm-hmm. I am the machine that, that runs the show here. And if I'm not fueling that machine, if I'm not taking care of that machine, if I'm not, you know, you know, getting checkups and like taking care of myself and my mental state of being, then what happens is that machine breaks down and then you end up out of commission. And then that's where you get those lapses. Um, So taking care of yourself and then also understanding where those weaknesses are and then finding, getting the right systems and people in place to fill those gaps, because inevitably we are going to have those times where we do, where we're not going to be great at everything, or maybe we can't keep that system flowing all the time because we need to take a step back. So Mm -hmm. also learning how to recognize those gaps. and getting the help, which ultimately helps with your mental health as well. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So the next question is, as a business owner, what is the number one sales tip you'd offer a new entrepreneur? Mm. Um, so I actually have a little bit of a story to go with this one. That's fine. Uh, so the number one sales tip that I have is to actually give a damn about the people um, and the results. And the example that I would like to share was when I was working in a wire, a large corporate wireless retail location store, and I was the manager of this store. And I had bosses that like to yell at us uh, about not selling things to people that they didn't need. Um, and I had a very specific instance where I had this elderly couple come into the store and my regional manager was in the back and he was watching me on the cameras. They came in because she didn't know how to use, like she was like struggling with some function on her phone, like her basic phone. And I just helped her. I spent my time. I helped her. I asked her, you know, one of the questions that you kind of lead up to, to see if they would need a tablet or something like that. And and I was like, no, she don't need it. She don't even, she can't even use the phone she has. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I just spent, I spent a very long time with this woman, just going over everything, making sure she had a grasp. She left, she didn't buy anything. And I just got berated uh, by my boss. When I went into the back of the store, I was a new manager, newly taking over this location. Um, You know, I was, supposed to be turning over the store. Cause I was the, you know, whatever. Um, and so he <laughs> ran into me about this and I was just like, no, I really feel like the right thing is to help is, is to help people. And like, I understand the number thing, but I also understand that this store has the most chargebacks, which is returns. And then that gets taken away from your commission anyway. So why try to sell it anyways, in the first place, um, out of any of them, And the next week I sold so many iPhones to all of these elderly women, like all of these elderly women just kept coming in and asking for me and, and getting upgrades on their iPhones. They had, you know, at this Mm -hmm. point, it was like iPhone fours, they got, we're getting iPhone fives and, (laughs) and what I, what I ended up finding out 
is this woman was going to her book club and telling all about, you know, the wonderful woman who had helped her and, and her mm-hmm. knitting club and telling all of these people. And I ended up selling way more phones, you know, way more, all of the things more mm-hmm. by just taking the time to slow down and actually recognize what that woman needed, what that woman did not need was a tablet when she didn't know how to make a phone call on her basic phone, you know? And, um, and by doing that, she recognized that I actually cared about helping her and not just taking her for all she got. And Mm -hmm. in the, in the sales world and, and this, the corporate cell phone sales world, it's very, very cutthroat. Um, like the sale, the I like the back end, like the way mm-hmm. that the back end managers are very, very intense. So I know the pressure that there is to just sell, to just sell these people whatever you can. Um, and and so she felt she felt the energetic difference that like, hey, this person actually wants to help me. And ultimately, um, it ended up working out in my favor. And I like to share that story because I think that too often we get caught up in the short term that we forget about the long term, especially with social media in these days. We get so, so caught up in the right now that we forget that if we slow down and we actually care about people, we can build something that's sustainable. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Wow. I love that story. (laughs) Um, so the next question is, what are some networking tips that you would offer a new business owner or entrepreneur? Mm, uh, get, I mean, it's, it's hard in this day and age. I was like, you know, going outside is like, we, who knows what's going on, but, mm. um, you know, find, find the groups do the thing like find the groups of people that are doing the things that you like to do um find the the people who are already doing the things that you desire to do in business make yourself valuable to them um i feel like that's really the key is is how can you make yourself valuable to the people that are already doing the thing um, and then when you make yourself valuable, they'll bring you into their network. Um, and, and it, you just kind of keep doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the more valuable you are, the more people, I mean, people are very, like when you understand psychology, like people are very innately selfish beings. And if you are make yourself valuable to the other people, if you make yourself valuable to people that you want to be around, they're going to want to be around you as well. That's awesome. That's amazing. Wow. You have some amazing uh, uh, comments and and answers to these questions. Um, So what do you do in your business to encourage long-term repeat business? Um, (laughs) Under promise and over deliver. (laughs) Yeah, that seems to be the theme with some some of you guys is like, make, make, make an impact. Yeah, I mean, like, I always like to to do something. I always like to do something a little extra that they're going to be like, oh, awesome. Um, and then I also just like to, you know, make sure that I am telling them what I can, what I can do for them within 
that I know for certain. So I know that I can exceed those expectations. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so the last question is what foundational thing would you say that you implemented that took you from cleaning up slop to storming your way to the top? Um, creating, creating the, the big picture plan and then actually removing yourself from that big picture to actually be able to take the daily actions and the daily step. Um, mm-hmm. and not all the time, like, like you still have to keep that big picture in mind, but once you create that big vision, really narrow it down into what are the steps that you need to do. So it actually is digestible for you because otherwise you can easily slip into overwhelm. Um, and for me, that was, that's been huge. Nice. All right. Well, Jamila, thank you so much for your time today. We've gone officially an hour now. Uh, so, and it's just been really amazing to, to talk to you. So if our audience wants to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to do so? Uh, you can find me, you can Google me, Jamila Bernie, um, check me out at my website on my books on Amazon. Um, I do a lot of work on my SEO. So yeah, if you just Google me, Jamila Bernie, you should find all of my stuff. Nice. Well, everybody, that's it for today. Uh, Jamila, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you might think is important? Uh, just what is the one thing? Like, just what to, what is one thing that you can do? And then just take action on that one thing. Take action on the one thing. And one always thing. do that's it. it. Or not always do it, but keep taking just action. Consistency. Pick one yep. thing and do that one thing. That's, I can, I can definitely attest to that because it, it took, it took me a while. I had, I, I had a lot of uh, what I like to call ADOS, attention deficit. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> so, but it, it, I, I can definitely agree with that for sure. All right. Well, everybody, that's all the time we have for today. Um, yeah, I'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really hope you learned something that can help you out. If you have questions, email us at info at eyeofthestormmedia.us. And if you want to get featured on our publication, Inside the Storm, alongside the likes of John Lee Dumas, The Entrepreneur on Fire, Sharon Lecter, and Jim Quick, all for free, then head over to eyeofthestormmedia.us slash become a contributor. And again, thanks for listening. See you next time.